All right, Holy Spirit, the fire. I, I was thinking about this, and you know, we read the story of Pentecost, and and uh, kind of a, a crazy turn of events. And uh, you know, from that, you know, some of, in fact, there are Church of God groups uh, that bear the same name as us, but are are what they call Pentecostal churches. Um, but there's there's lots of those groups out there that are Pentecostal churches, and they're named after this moment in time that we read about in Scripture today, um, and and they focus a lot on the Holy Spirit and specifically that gift of the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues, uh, which we're gonna we'll dive into that a little bit. But I was thinking about uh, you know th- that kind of church, and I've had several experiences with the, that kind of church, and I. Um, some of them positive, some of them interesting, and I was trying to think of just kind of something maybe a little bit humorous I could share about something from that, and I thought about my friend uh, Marcus, which I probably brought up before, he's just got an interesting life, so it makes for good stories, but uh, he is a drummer for a worship band, and he happens to be at a Pentecostal church, he's not personally Pentecostal, but through friend connections and that kind of thing, he plays there, and I guess he plays loud because they lock him in a box. <laughs> They've got a whole drum room that he sits in, and he's got a door and everything. And uh, so, anyway, one one day he was getting ready to play for their church service, and the pastor and the church had come back from a big conference, and they were all excited and revved up uh, for God. And and the pastor said, "Well, here's what we're going to do. I think it was the evening service." He said, "Here's what we're going to do tonight." We're going to line up down the middle aisle on both sides and we're going to form a tunnel of fire. (laughs) And everyone's going to walk down the tunnel of fire and when you get down you're going to drop out in the spirit and whoo, it's going to be good. So (laughs) about that time, Marcus stands up, walks back to his drum door and locks it. (laughs) Locked himself in his drum door. We're not going to have a gauntlet today, you can rest assured, despite the title, Holy Spirit, the fire, and uh, so you don't need to be looking for your door to lock today, <laughs> but I uh, thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> but we are going to be talking about the Holy Spirit, and we are going to be talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and I would venture to say that uh, probably most Christians in America uh, have for too long largely ignored the Holy Spirit. There are those groups out there that definitely don't ignore him, but there are many of us who, um, for whatever reasons, over the last several years, have begun to ignore the Holy Spirit. The part of God who I believe is the most relevant to our everyday Christian lives today. Perhaps there is nothing more confused or more ignored than the Holy Spirit and, uh, you know, maybe it has to do with just that name, Holy Spirit. Those are words that are not familiar in our everyday language as we walk through this life. Where, you know, if you grew up in the church, you grew up hearing those words. But even if you grew up hearing them, how much can we grasp those words as humans? How much can we grasp them this side of heaven? Holy Spirit. Those are not always words that we're that comfortable with. And so maybe sometimes we just kind of write the whole thing off as something we're not really meant to understand or grasp. And that's the last thought we give it. But who is this Holy Spirit anyway? We believe, as Christians have through the ages, from the beginning, that 
God is God the Father. God is also God the Son in the person of Jesus Christ. And God is Spirit in the person of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is not just some thing, it, floating around out there, nebulous in the air, we don't know. It is, he is a person, not an it. He is God in spirit form. And beyond that, he is God come near to us. You see, this is the best news of all. God is not just sitting up in his high heaven. And God did not just come down one time in the person of Jesus Christ to die and be resurrected and go back up. But no, God sent us his spirit after that to be near to us, to live in us and among us, to be our help. And goodness knows we need help. We read from the book of Acts. We read about the day of Pentecost. The book of Acts is an ancient manuscript containing stories, incredible jaw-dropping stories of the early church. Of what took place after Jesus left this place and the Holy Spirit came. It was quite a scene that we read about. Those disciples, about 50 days after all that crucifixion and resurrection thing happened, around the time of the Passover, the Jews had another feast and another celebration called Pentecost. And again, Jews from all over the place traveled to Jerusalem for this special occasion. And again, we find the disciples in a room. There's a lot that mirrors the Passover And what happened when those disciples were in that room that time. This is another momentous occasion. They're waiting together in a room. Could have been the same room for all we know. That they ate their last Passover meal with Jesus in. And here they had another defining moment. And it says that something like the sound of a violent wind filled the room. Sometimes, you know, when you see it depicted... Their disciples' hairs blowing all around, you know. And, but really all it says is, the sound of a violent wind filled the room. And then it says that something resembling fire broke off into separate flames and found its way to hover over their heads. This is an old drawing of depiction of uh, something that I'm sure it did not look like. <laughs> But I like those old pictures for some reason. Quite a scene. It said that all of them were filled in that moment with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. One minute, just a group of guys hanging out in a room. The next minute, they're speaking in languages that they'd never known in their life. And proclaiming boldly the good news of Jesus Christ. What changed from moment A to moment B? Just one thing. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit showed up and he gifted them to do something incredible. Now what do we mean when we say 
gift, a gift of the Holy Spirit. Or gifting of the Holy Spirit. Basically, the Holy Spirit in that moment empowered them to do something that they had not been able to do, would not be able to do, without God's help. And that's still what a spiritual gift is for us today. Or a gifting of the Holy Spirit. It is God empowering us to do something greater than we could have done if it was just up to our own devices. It's Him giving us abilities we wouldn't otherwise have without the Holy Spirit. Now whenever we talk about spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit in churches like ours, people start getting a little bit fidgety. And whenever we read this story, people get a little bit fidgety because of the elephant in the room. And what is the elephant in the room when we talk about spiritual gifts? It's the speaking in tongues thing. I heard someone whisper, speaking in tongues. <laughs> we don't even like to say it out loud. <laughs> it's, it's been a hot topic. It's been a, a, a topic of debate for the last 50 or so years especially. And it still is today. And unfortunately, you know, there's still books being written about it and debates back and forth from this side to that side. And I say unfortunately because I think it's unfortunate any time that the church gets its eye off the ball and starts majoring on minor issues when the major issue is that Jesus is the subject. The major issue is the gospel. The major issue is taking that gospel to the world and living our lives for Christ The major issue is not spiritual gifts and certainly not the gift of tongues. But, since it's the elephant in the room, let's address it here briefly and then we can move on. How about that? First off, there are more important matters, as I was just saying. Uh, Even spiritual gifts themselves, though really important for the Christian life and definitely worth talking about today because we as Christians need to know about them and what their purpose is. They are still secondary at best. Uh, You may be familiar with the author uh, Bunyan who wrote uh, Pilgrim's Progress, classic work. In one of his, uh, in another of his works, it was kind of an autobiographical work, he talked about spiritual gifts. And I thought it was interesting what he had to say. He said, Although gifts are good to accomplish the task they are designed for, which is the edification of others, yet they are empty and without power to save the soul unless God is using them. Gifts are desirable, but great, catch this, great grace and small gifts are better than great gifts and no grace. Kind of puts it in perspective, doesn't it? And when it comes to gifts, the Apostle Paul clearly states that there are more important gifts than the gift of tongues, since we're on that topic, and we'll see some of that in a moment when we look in Scripture. In fact, if you want to grab your Bible, if you still have it handy, and turn to 1 Corinthians. We're going to spend a little bit of time in there uh, in a couple of different chapters there. Um, so if you want to start looking for 1 Corinthians, I think the first chapter we'll look at is chapter 14 in just a moment. While you're looking that up, I'll also mention that speaking in tongues is a gift. It's described in Scripture. It's undeniable. There's the instance that we saw 
in uh, the day of Pentecost where they were gifted to speak in other languages so that people could understand the gospel. So this was an evangelistic thing. There also seems to be, when you read it, uh, an instance later in the New Testament, you'll find them talking about praying in tongues. And Paul's going to address that in a moment. And that seems to be something different entirely. And there have been some Christians who, just as a way of dealing with this whole issue of tongues, they've just said, you know what, it's not even a gift. <laughs> you know, or, or it's only the speaking in another language for the purpose of uh, people coming to know Christ in a language that you didn't know and that sort of thing. But it's really hard to do that when you really look at Scripture and you'll be hard-pressed to find many serious Bible scholars who would agree with that. There just seems to be this element of uh, praying in tongues that we find in Scripture as well. So it is a gift. So what now? Let's look a little bit at Scripture about this gift because it's a gift that is attached to some very specific instructions. And Paul outlines some of those in chapter 14. We're going to skip around a little bit in this um, because we don't have time to dive into it all. But let's start out by looking at verse 4. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Remember what Bunyan said the purpose of spiritual gifts was? was to edify others, to edify the church. And here Paul's pointing out that if you're speaking in a tongue that no one else is understanding, then you're edifying yourself perhaps, but no one else. Let's look again at uh, verse 12. Skip down a little ways. He says, Since you are eager to have spiritual gifts, try to excel in gifts that build up the church. Alright, so he just said, you know, this gift doesn't really edify, this one does. And he says, try and excel in the ones that build up the church. And lastly, we're going to look at a couple of verses further down. He said, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. But in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. I think that's a pretty big statement. And it really gets the point across as to, you know, if you ever wonder, you know, if this is a gift, then why doesn't our church practice it? And if you have the gift of praying in tongues, then don't feel bad about that, like you're being shamed or something, because we do believe, we see it in Scripture. But we also have specific instructions, and that is that we're not to come here and start speaking in tongues because it doesn't edify the church. And Paul said he would rather speak five, just five. I mean, that's like, I love you a lot. <laughs> five intelligible words than to speak 10,000 in a tongue that no one's going to understand. And so, here at Cypress Street and many churches like us, you'll find people who believe that the purpose of gathering is to edify the church and to glorify God. And we try to stick with intelligible words when we gather together. So that's just kind of in a really quick nutshell because I didn't want to spend a whole sermon on that. Uh, just some background on 
the uh, speaking in tongues thing. And if you have question marks, maybe I gave you more question marks than you had before, but hopefully we can just kind of say, okay, that's, that's a, it is a gift. We've acknowledged it. It's not the most important of gifts because it doesn't serve the purpose of edifying others, at least that kind. And so that's why we don't do it in church. So having said that, let's move forward then and turn our attention fully onto spiritual gifts in general. Can we do that now? Sound good? Here's the point that I want to get home today. And that is that you have something to offer because the Holy Spirit has given you something to offer. The Spirit gives you something to offer. If you're still open in 1 Corinthians, flip back a couple of pages. And we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 12 now. And we're going to read together from verse 4 all the way to verse 11. And here we're going to find some very good teaching about spiritual gifts from the Apostle Paul. Starting at verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them uh, in all men. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Did you catch that? The purpose of spiritual gifts, right there. To one there is given through the Spirit the the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He gives them to each one just as He determines. He gives to each one as He determines. He's the one in charge of it. Spiritual gifts may seem to look a little different to you than what you read in Scripture. God decides what they look like. We don't get to decide. Spiritual gifts, uh, you may feel like you got the short end of the stick. (laughs) You may say, why does that guy or that gal have all these awesome giftedness that they get to use for the church, and I'm left over here with baking cookies. (laughs) I love baking. If you can bake cookies, we need you. (laughs) But it says God determines. Who gets what and how much of what and all that kind of thing. We don't get to determine that. By the same token, you may wish that instead of giving you umpteen gifts, God would have just given you one obvious one so you'd know exactly what you're supposed to do with your life and how exactly you're supposed to serve the church and you take all this iffy stuff out of the equation. But again, God's the one that determines it. And He gives to each and every one of us exactly what He wants us to have to serve the church in our unique way. He also says that this spiritual gifting is for the purpose of the common good. We've been saying edifying the church a couple of times this morning. And that's 
the common good. These gifts serve a purpose, and the purpose is not for you to sit on them, but to use them to help someone. Now, there's an illustration actually following what we just read, if you ever want to read it. And it's one of the best illustrations about this that you could possibly come up with. So imagine that. We find it in Scripture. But it's about the body. And and Paul says, consider your human body. And you have all these different parts that serve different functions. So you can walk around. You can pick things up. You can do all these things. Your heart keeps working in the background. Your lungs are working in the background. All these different parts serving different purposes. Some of them don't seem to do much. Other than, others of them we would really fret about if we lost. And yet each one serves its purpose. And God says that he determines what gift goes to which person. And I believe that every one of us has a role to play just as every part of your body has a role to play. And maybe sometimes you feel like the spleen... But just be the best spleen you can be. (laughs) That was funny, y'all. Come on. (laughs) But make no mistake. God has gifts for you. He is enabling you to do something to serve in His church to help with the common good. It looks different for all of us. I was thinking about this even this week in my own life. And uh, in fact, I was talking with my dad, and he was commenting on, uh, he was listening to our messages online, which, by the way, if you go to cypressstreet.org, you can listen to messages online or you can send someone there to listen. Uh, it's our new website. We'll share more with you about soon. But he was listening online and was commenting that he felt like my preaching was coming along. Of course, he's probably a little bit biased, being my dad, but uh, I just was thinking as I received that compliment and I shared with him, I said, I really believe that my ability to stand up here and say anything of any worth at all is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Because I can look back in my life and remember a time when I first joined a quartet in college and I would stand on stages like this and my hand would literally, I mean, microphone, the cable's just spinning like this because I couldn't keep my hand still and I'm shaking like this. I had to give a speech. Um, I gave a speech at my college graduation. was completely nervous about that. Didn't particularly like public speaking in college. Went into teaching, and maybe you know, maybe I got a little more comfortable with it there. But ask a teacher in this room if they'd like to come up here and give a sermon. <laughs> All right, it's kind of a different animal. Most of them would tell you. And so, what's the difference between point A and point B? Because now I can tell you that I rarely ever get that kind of nervous. Sometimes you like a nervous energy or something like that, but not fearful or worried about standing up in front of people and sharing anymore. And I can only explain that as a gift of the Holy Spirit. The same goes for me in my life as far as any uh, leadership ability that I can bring to the church. Because I can't remember anyone saying to me as a kid, hey, that kid's got leadership potential. 
<laughs> I mean, maybe they said it behind my back. I just don't remember them saying it to my face. And I don't remember ever feeling like I wanted to lead anything or do anything like that. So from point A to point B, what changed? I believe it's the Holy Spirit. You, you have something to offer because the Spirit gives you something to offer. I believe that. If you call yourself a Christ follower today, you need to know that He saved you because He loves you and He wants a relationship with you. He did not save you simply to warm a pew. (laughs) Amen? He did not save you simply so that you could go through your life living it the same old way you always lived it before, holding your get-out-of-jail-free card. He saved you, and He has something for you to do. Maybe you already know what He's gifted you to do, and you're already doing it. If so, thank you. Thank you for serving the church. And also beware, because I was once doing my thing in the church too, and then (laughs) he's been messing with me progressively. So he might just end up, you may think you know what he's asking you to do and what he's gifted you to do, and then he may just drop some new gift on you and say, go over there and do this, and turn your whole world upside down. So don't get too comfortable. Or maybe you already know what he's gifted you to do, but you're just not doing it right now. And that can happen for a lot of reasons. One, I mean, a lot of people just aren't sure how to get plugged in. Or maybe you were doing it for a long time and then circumstances in your life got to where you really had to just pull back and, I mean, you know, a health thing or a family thing or whatever, you know, stuff comes up in life and we have to take a step back sometimes and get our lives in order. And then maybe you just never got back in the, back in the game, so to speak. I would encourage you to do so. And if you're not sure how or where, you can come and talk with me or to a leader of this church. And we will help you figure it out. Because we need each person to use the gifts that God has given them to serve the church. Or you might be here today and you might just say, I have no idea. I mean, as far as I can tell, I'm gift free. (laughs) You may feel like, you know, what do I have to offer? You may feel like the spleen. But, we can help you with that too. And we can definitely pray with you about that. And you can begin to pray about that. And it may just be someone else pointing out to you, hey, dummy, here's what you're good at. (laughs) Because sometimes we're better at seeing what someone else is good at than we are what we ourselves are. And so the body of Christ can help with that because one of us can come to someone else and say, I can tell you what you're good at. Or we can, I can set you up with a spiritual gift test. Those things kind of drive me crazy, but for some people, they really help them identify some things and some strengths in their life that God's given them. Or consider this. Sometimes I feel like we can't identify any spiritual gifts in ourselves simply because we're not doing anything that would require a gift. And God may be wanting to ask you to step into something. And I believe that God gifts us 
for what he calls us to do. And when you follow his lead and you step out there, then he gives you what you need to do what he's asked you to do. Does that make sense? So maybe you need to pray about what your spiritual giftedness is, or maybe you need to pray about, God, where do you want me to serve? And if you'll point the way, I'll go, and I'll trust that you'll give me the ability to do it. And don't be afraid of persistently praying in that way. Don't be afraid of persistently praying for the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid of praying for His help. Don't be afraid of praying for gifts, or even a specific gift that you desire in your life. Just don't get so hung up on it that then you're disappointed if he decides to give something else to you. Because again, it says, he determines. He determines who gets what. Ultimately, the challenge today is to get in the game. Experience the gifting of the Holy Spirit, this fire, so to speak. And with fresh energy, put your hands to the work that He's called us to do and that He's called you to do. And don't give us the I just don't have anything to offer excuse because the Holy Spirit gives you something to offer. Gives it to each one of us. Before I close this message in prayer, I just thought it'd be worth pointing out. We just spent a lot of time in 1 Corinthians. And we looked at chapter 12. And we looked at chapter 14. You know what comes in between chapter 12 and chapter 14? Chapter 13. <laughs> I'm looking smarter all the time up here, aren't I? And 1 Corinthians 13 is known as the love chapter. And the very first series that I preached when I got here was on that chapter. And sandwiched in here between all this teaching about spiritual gifts is this famous chapter about love. And if you read it again, and you, in fact, that's a good homework assignment for you. Take it home, read it, 1 Corinthians 13 today. And read it through the light of the lens that we've looked at today because that chapter falls right in the middle of all this information about spiritual gifts. And that may seem odd to you because isn't it about love? Why would a chapter about love be dropped smack in the middle of all this stuff about, tongue, about uh, gifts? Well, do you know what he said? Do you remember when from our study of 1 Corinthians 13? He said, you can have all the greatest, spirit. this is in a nutshell, you can have all the greatest spiritual gifts that God has to offer, but if you don't have love, they're all worthless. So, in all that we do, church, serving right here in, in our church with each other, serving in our community, Let's continue to strive to show people that we care deeply so that we put the love of Christ on display to the world. Because that is what is important. And these spiritual gifts that we've talked about today, 
The things that God enables us to do, be they small or large things, they're all for the purpose of serving Him, serving others. And they give us the chance to show Christ's love in powerful ways. Let's pray together. Would you stand? Spirit of the living God, you are almighty and altogether unfathomable. And when we talk about things like this, sometimes (laughs) we leave with our heads spinning a little bit because we're clearly out of our league when it comes to the things you are able to do. But God, we thank you for the gifts of your Spirit that have enabled people through thousands of years now to do things that they otherwise wouldn't be able to do apart from you. God, you have given your church a God-sized mission. And if we think that we're going to do that mission on our own without your help, we're kidding ourselves. And so, God, I just ask for your Spirit's fresh falling on this people standing in this room. Empower us to do what you've called us to do, O God. And we'll be quick to give you the credit and to say it's not by our power that we do it, but by the power of God at work in us. And we pray this in the almighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.